Everybody doing good? Considering as good as can be. This has been a wild week for probably all of us. Um, I still feel a bit kind of in a, in a fog, sort of. But it's been a good day. Just been here for a few hours earlier today and just enjoying God's presence. I really feel like what, what we have to place on the table tonight to feast on will be um, enjoyable for all of us. Just feel like our time of worship is, you know, God is always, he, he just knows exactly what we need when we need it. And I, I feel that while we're worshiping tonight, while we just step into the throne room, um, we're going to be refreshed. We're going to find the comfort that we need. We're going to maybe feel the energy, the power of the Spirit of God energizing our physical bodies, you know, because that's biblical. That's the Bible says the Romans 8 that the spirit of Jesus who is in us will release life to your physical mortal body. And so yeah, who needs life? I need life. I need strength. I mean, I'm actually pretty good. I'm healthy. I don't don't have any, you know, sickness that I'm battling and I would encourage you if you are, let's, you know, battle it. Cuz that's just another one of those things. We don't believe that sickness has to be a part of our lives as sons and daughters of the kingdom, that Jesus paid the price for our healing, and when sickness comes against us, it uh, doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith or that you've done something wrong. It just means that the enemy's pulling in illegal action, and so it's our chance to push back and take authority over the enemy, take authority over our, our own bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit, and, yeah, go to war. I don't, even if I get the sniffles, you know, I get a sore throat, I'm like, I said, rebuke this, in Jesus' name. I command my throat to uh, just be healed, you know, whatever. I just pray for myself, you know, you guys can pray for yourselves, and if that doesn't work and you need more, then you get other believers around you and just start going after it. So, anyway, that was a ramble, that was a little tangent, but you're all doing okay. You're here, so you made it here, so awesome. Yes, Jill, I'm glad you're here. Speaking of powering through, and yeah, you feeling good? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, just got a lot yeah. of yeah. a lot of uh, attacks that have just come against pretty much everyone in our church. I mean, almost everyone. Um, just whether it's something that we're working through physically, or you know, our friend Linda had a house fire, and she's working through that you know we've lost loved ones recently this week and that's just you know something else yeah Anna what you were popping your hand up yes testimonies Yeah, I know what so you're talking right about. Now I have to push myself to come to church because otherwise I'm just going to be sleeping and yeah. can't let that depression oh. hit or anything. Yeah. So it's like, I just know I need to just put a foot outside the door and, and then that's what helps yeah. keep going. So awesome. Wonderful. Please keep me in oh. prayers. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Awesome, Anna. That's sweet. Yeah. So glad you're here, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the easiest time for most of us just to unplug when we're kind of going through some sort of a change or whatever, or something's happening in our lives it's easy just to stay home and just unplug and you know there, God has grace for all of us when it comes to times of unplugging yeah. but I, I feel like when we when we make a choice to just push through that desire to just take it easy but there's that kind of inner hunger just to be in the presence of God with your church family I feel like God wants to reward that he wants to he wants to bless everyone but I think there's just a little extra something that he to bless us with. So let's go ahead and move forward then. Um, just a couple of usual announcements. Wednesday night we have prayer and worship here. So if you're around on a Wednesday night, 7 p.m., we have a lot of fun. So if you're into that, if you want to come and, and just get get charged up and fueled up, pray in the spirit and just get as crazy as you want to get. No, we don't get it. Val. Val gets it. No, I shouldn't say <laughs> She's not here. I shouldn't talk about it. That's right, Jill. 
Jill is like a tongue speaking prayer warrior over here. Totally. She's, yeah, bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> so Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, and then we've had two of our Friday nights so far for our healing class. Yeah, you missed one, but you know what? If, if you're able to, um, or whenever you do resume, uh, this Friday will be week three of the 11 weeks that we're going to do this. Um, this last Friday, we got to hear Bill Johnson sharing about his testimony of how he got, um, not got into the healing ministry, but how God really just drew his heart into that theme in the church as far as because he's, he's a seventh generation fifth generation he's a fifth generation pastor and uh, being in the church all his life with that kind of a lineage you know there's things that different emphasis that we you know we feel or we have in us as our DNA and when he was exposed to some of the powerful moves of God whether that was uh, Catherine Kuhlman as a teenager or um, well for him it was the vineyard movement and then Toronto and then Randy Clark actually coming to Bethel Church back in the uh, 2000s. Um, all of that just set the, the table for Bill and his ministry to really be just set on revival. The presence of God uh, being a revivalist and healing being one of the key parts of being a revivalist. Because that's what Jesus did. And if we're walking in a in a relationship with Jesus, then it's his will and his desire that he would manifest his kingdom in and through us, and healing is one of the most powerful ways to to bring Jesus to somebody who doesn't know him, and also, obviously, it's for the sons and daughters of God that we would release and take hold of that which Jesus paid for, for us to have as believers, so anyway, it's a fun class, it's important for us to go through this series because we want to really train and equip as many people as we can to walk in healing, yeah. healing ministry, to go out in the public, pray for your neighbor, see something happen, boom, you know, because you never know, you just never know what God will do. Anyway, we go into testimonies about all that stuff, but we'll save that for another time. This conference coming up at the end of the month, that's the 27th through the 29th, that'll be a Thursday night, all day Friday, all day Saturday at the church in Fife, New Horizons. Uh, yeah, New Horizon Church, Northwest Summit, website's up there, so I know you're going. Who else plans on going to this? It's just Tammy and I. Are you going to go, Miss Judy? I believe Isabel said she's got the time off for it. She put in for it, so. Yeah, I think so that they're leaving her alone. And she should be popping in here anytime, too. Yeah. Little girl's working late tonight. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good conference. This is the same conference that we went to last year. I know we've kind of mentioned this before, but prior to getting this space, um, we went to this conference, got some fresh prophetic words, and God just reconfirmed his plan for us to move forward with leading a church in a public space, not just stay a house church for however time we're yeah. going to be doing that. Anna remembers that. Anna was one of the faithful to be with us in our house for a full year. And Tao <laughs> and Kelly. Kelly, by the way, sends his love to everybody. He's he's probably going to come on Friday night, I think. He's just He's been working his, his tail off, and he's exhausted. Kelly's our Seattle guy. He comes all the way over from Seattle just to be with us, but it's pretty cool. What are the times for these? I would have to give you the schedule. Oh, right. yeah. So we can, if you want that info, we can get it to you. Um, but in the meantime, just remember the website northwestsummit.org. You'll need to register. Yeah, that, so. there is a fee. It's not a free conference, but it's not expensive. So, but anyway, sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's lock in. So the plan tonight is to worship and just get a sense of what God wants to do. And I do have Hebrews chapter 12 prepared to walk into for us just as a body to feast on the word of God. And as I was just going through it again tonight, uh, Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 really 
just jumped out at me. And I felt like God said, this is what you should open up your meeting with tonight. So why don't we stand up and let's just read this scripture. So the writer of Hebrews, we don't know if it was Paul. Many think it was the Apostle Paul, but we're not sure exactly. It's a mystery. Um, so the writer of Hebrews said in verses 12 and 13, So be made strong, even in your weaknesses, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees, for as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That, to me, sounds like a recipe for success. Yes. And God is so, so good. He, he makes it so easy for us. He didn't say, he didn't, he didn't give the writer of Hebrews inspiration to say, well, you know, you have to fast for a week, and you have to make sure there's not a single bit of sin in your life for at least a month. And then you have to pray, you know, 12 hours out of the 24. And you need to read the Word of God at least five times every day. You know, he didn't make a bunch of loops or hoops for us to hop through in order to get close to him to experience healing in our bodies. No, he, he's paid the way. Jesus has paid the way. The blood of Jesus has given each one of us free and fresh access to come into the presence of God. We get to come tonight into the actual living reality of the throne room of heaven right now. So why don't we just go there? You guys want to just step into it you can close your eyes if you want let's just pray Lord we just thank you that Jesus you have given us access to come into the third heaven into the heavenly realm by your blood by the new and living way that has been opened for us through your body on the cross and we thank you King Jesus that you are our great high priest and you have provided the sacrifice for us, that we have been made holy and clean by your blood. And tonight, God, you, we know that your word says you welcome us to come boldly. So we do. We come boldly before your throne to lift up our tired hands, as this scripture says, lifting up our tired hands in prayer and in worship. God, tonight, let our lives just be a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship. We yield ourselves to you. We offer our bodies to you tonight, God. We just say, have your way in us, in our flesh, in our minds, in our spirits. Body, soul, spirit, God, come and have your way in each one yes. of us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you now. We welcome you now, and we say, come and be in, enthroned on the praises of your people. Come and inhabit our praise in Jesus' mighty name. for your wraparound presence. God, you, in you, we find everything, Lord. You are everything to us. You are our shepherd. You are the keeper of our souls. You are the provider. You are our goodness. You're faithful. God, I'm so grateful tonight for your faithfulness. You will never abandon us. Even in the grave, you do not abandon us. You never abandon us. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our hope is in you. From beginning to end, our hope is in you. We will hold fast to you, King Jesus. You are the anchor for our soul. You are the anchor. Our hope in you is the anchor for our souls tethering us to your throne we are not lost and we never will be we might feel like the clouds of confusion around us are distracting and overwhelming but God we have trust and hope in you and that anchors us it, it tethers us to your throne to your heart we thank you Lord we thank you tonight for your presence Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you, God. You walked in the room when each person walked in the room because each one of us carries a measure of your spirit. We are temples of your Holy Spirit. But even in that, you come in increasing measure when we worship you. 
We thank you, Lord. We thank you for corporate worship, for family worship, time together as a family, as sons and daughters in your presence, to admire the one we love, to to lavish our worship and praise and love and adoration on the one we love. You are our heart's affection. It's you that our hearts adore, Lord. We worship you. We are worshipers. We are your worshipers, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We praise you, God. We won't stop now, God. We don't want to unplug from what you're doing in the room. We just welcome you, Lord, to do what you're doing. We just say, increase, Lord, increase it. More, God. Take us deeper with you, Lord. Take us deeper into your heart, Lord. Holy. I'm going to ask any of our team here, if you have a prophetic word or something the Lord was doing that he showed you, I want you to just come on up. I, I feel like I have something too, but whoops, I don't want to, um, I don't want to neglect the, the reality that everyone in the room has the ability to hear and see the Lord. And so if you have a word from this time of worship together, I'm just going to hand you the microphone if it'll reach or you can come up. You're looking at me, so do you know? Okay. Barbara. I mean, uh, Jill. just I was just really feeling the Lord's heart in what was happening I was trying to feel his heart and I'm a I'm a watcher of the sky I look at the clouds I when I see a sunset I see fire and I see the heavens declaring the glory of our God it just speaks to me and I was captivated by it for a little while on Wednesday and I, I knowing that Tony was caught up and whisked away I'm not trying to get you guys, I'm not trying to, if this is too sensitive, just say stop, okay. <laughs> but I just saw that and I, I felt like the Lord was, <laughs> gotta be careful, I'm gonna lose it. I just felt like the Lord was saying, my wounded warrior is with me. Like Tony the tiger, and I don't know if you've ever called him that, but I just felt like he he's like this, this lion, this this warrior lion in the kingdom, who who had he had a brokenness. He was an injured warrior, a wounded warrior, and I felt like the Lord was so pleased that He was with him, where He could be fully 
fully restored in his presence. Sorry, please guys, it's not the time. Sorry, while I adjust my children. So I just, I wanted to share with that with you guys. I just felt like the Lord, I don't know the perspective he's, he's helped you with during this, but I know that you are believers and I know you know that when one of us leaves this earth, we are in his presence. And it's the same with my mom. She's in the Lord's presence right now. And I, I wasn't expecting my dad to pop in tonight, so I'm very happy and we won't overwhelm you and jump all over you squeeze you and stuff because we want to respect that but I just I just really feel a, a tenderness tonight you know the Lord the Lord cares about your hearts he cares about your emotions <laughs> that's a private joke between Barbara and I he, he cares about your emotions he cares about your inner world and it's his will that he would be able to release to each one of us heaven's perspective like we can stay stuck here on earth for the rest of our lives looking at things from the world's perspective. And it sucks. The world, it may look like, is going to hell in a handbasket. I don't think it is. I have hope. But that's because I have a different perspective. But if you're just stuck on this planet, only looking from the first heaven level, things could look really dark. Especially when we we go through a trial where we lose a life of a, of a person close to us or we, someone goes through a battle with sickness or cancer or drug addiction, you know, whatever it might be, that could feel so hopeless. And then as a Christian, you're, you're awakened to this reality of a second level, a second heaven. And there's like all of this stuff going on in a spiritual warfare zone. We were born into a battlefield. You might be living on the first heaven level, but we are actually first and second, well, and I will say third heaven people. We have the ability to open up the reality of another dimension. It sounds like the twilight zone, I know. But there is a, there is a dimension even more real than the spiritual battle area of the second heaven where angels and demons are battling it out. And when we go to warfare and pray, the angels of heaven, the armies of heaven are warring on our behalf. They aren't warring on the behalf of something out in the universe, they're here for us. God has his warriors ready to go to war and fight for victory that he has accomplished to be brought into earth. How it all works, I, I still have yet to figure it all out. Probably never will figure it out completely, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning to, to take dominion over the things of this world because Jesus is the conquering king. And from his perspective, from the throne room, that is where he's inviting us. It's his heart to show you and me what life, what reality looks like from his perspective. And the Bible says that you and I are seated with Christ right now in that place in the heavenly realm. If the Bible doesn't call it the third heaven, um, Paul talked about someone he knew, he's speaking about himself, who had been caught up into the third heaven. And he didn't know if it was in his body, out of the body, or translated or in a transfer. He didn't know what it was, but what he experienced, he could not express with words. So there is a reality to living that goes beyond this current physical reality. And so I just feel like tonight the Lord wants to encourage us with, with that reality, with heaven's reality. Going through a book of the Bible is not, hasn't been our style, although for many years we were people that embraced and loved Calvary Chapel style uh, preaching through the Bible, um, being a spirit-filled denomination, uh, Chuck Smith and the Calvary Chapels. <clears throat> and then Tammy and I were part of Mars Hill, 
with Mark Driscoll for a couple years. And so I've always had a value and appreciation for churches that will take the word of God and will walk their church through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by, by chapter, getting the whole counsel of the word of God in us. And But I felt in our experience um, that we were more, I, because I do most of the, the speaking, preaching, I should say, um, have always felt that I just want to hear what God puts on my heart fresh in the morning. And then I would take that. And if, if it was something that he was still breathing on after our corporate worship time, then I would just kind of go into that. And if not, sometimes it would just be whatever he's speaking and putting on my heart and other people's hearts. And if the meeting is done at that point, then we would just be done. But this last year, I just felt like the Lord in my, my private time with him, like he, he's just a good father. He, he's, uh, just kind of spoke to me like a son, not like a son, as a son. And in a sense, I felt like he said, if you want to go through a book of my Bible, my word, then do it. He would bless it. And so not promising that it's, it's a, a preaching through the word that's super inspired with excellent oration skills and deep, deep knowledge of the, the original meaning of the Greek and Hebrew and whatnot, but, you know, I just feel like there's something in Hebrews 12 tonight that's going to speak to all of us. So if we're ready, we'll just go ahead, excuse me, go ahead and dive right on into it. You guys good? You good? You're not mad that I snapped my fingers? Okay, I'm not trying to embarrass you. It's a small group tonight, so even your mom's like, tap, tap. Anyway, you guys are good. You guys are good. Okay, well, here we go. We're going to hit the brakes and we're going to dive right into Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> and this is in the Passion Translation. So if you don't like the Passion Translation, well, you're probably not going to enjoy the next 25 minutes. But hey, you know, just do your best and smile anyway. I think it's a, good, it's a good version of the Bible. And I would encourage you guys, I encourage myself, read multiple versions. Um, the Passion Translation is not like a word-for-word -word translation. It's... It's uh, probably a mixture of word for word and thought for thought. That's just how they translate versions of the Bible. Some are, the English Standard Version is probably the most accurate thought, uh, word for word English translation today. So I would recommend reading the ESV. Um, if you're like me, saved in the late 80s, early 90s, you might be NIV positive. So if NIV is your Bible, then feast on that too but i think the passion is just fun if you haven't read it before you'll hear some of it tonight it's just really encouraging it's more passionate as bill johnson likes to say <clears throat> on some things yeah on some things some things i'm not i don't care for yeah and i i usually yeah just kind of yeah work through it but but this is a, a fresh translation that brings some really neat insights so here we go and we're going to hit the brakes Bill's really intense. Oh, look at that. That wasn't too bad. It kind of faded out nicely. I could probably fix that fade, too, on the computer and make it last about four seconds, and it'll be slower. Huh? Because nobody pays attention to that? She's giving me a hard time with it. Because we don't need to know that. Well, you know, you should know how technical, technically involved this sure. thing is here sometimes. Well, here we go. I really feel like this first verse is going to just speak to us tonight. Verse 1, and this is all verse 1, and then there's some footnotes here. I color-coded it for you, just so you're not sure. The blue coordinates with the blue footnote, and the, anyway, so you got it. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. Now, if you didn't know what the previous chapter was, it's the Hall of Faith chapter. We have a full lengthy chapter of all of these different heroes of the faith in the Bible that have gone before us 
Um, some of them lived a glorious life and were whisked away into the presence of God without even tasting death, like Methuselah. And uh, <clears throat> Elijah was caught up in the chariots of fire. But then there were others that we read about. It says they were sawn in two. Some of them were sawn. <laughs> I like to make the sound effect. They were sawn in two. They were stretched out on the wheel until everything, you know, they were tortured to death. So some went the blessed way. Some went the not so blessed way. And I did encourage you guys, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, F-O-X, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an old book, very small, detailed examples of the, mar the first martyrs from Stephen and the apostles all the way up through the early church in the dark ages and how they would be burned at the stake for their faith. I would encourage you to be familiar with that book because it is a reality of what some of those who have gone before us have gone through as they left this world. But chapter 11 leads into this, of course, and the writer of Hebrews says that all of these people that have gone before us, all of these people, all the saints that have gone before us, my mom, your husband, your dad, your parents, um, Anna's father, all of us in this room who have lost loved ones that have gone, we know that they're with the Lord. This first verse is referring to them. And the Bible is telling us that they are encircling us like clouds. They are like spectators in the heavenly realm cheering us on, anticipating you and I to run this race, to let go of everything that would slow us down. And as it says, every wound that has pierced us. And I love the footnote to that. We'll get to it in a second. And, and any kind of sin that tries to slow us down, like and I think of fishing lines when I think of this, or like sticker branches, anything that would get around your feet and just cause you to trip up and fall down. We, we want to be able to run the race and cut all of that stuff off. Get every hook of the enemy, every, every uh, arrowhead of bitterness or unforgiveness or whatever, all of that stuff, just get freed from anything that would slow us down and run because heaven, all of heaven is cheering us on. My mom, I know, is cheering us on right now. She hasn't been able to do that for a couple years now, but I know that she's free and that she's restored in the Lord's presence. And she is cheering us on. Tony is cheering us on. Grandma and Grandpa Brown are cheering us on. Sweet Eldon and Margaret. I won't go on and on with all the names, but you guys, you hear what I'm saying? You hear what the scripture is saying? They encircle us. And the footnote is they clothe us like clouds. That's the closeness. It's not like heaven is a billion miles away. If Jesus could do miracles, and, and then when he healed someone, he said, I tell you the truth, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like right here, at hand. It is displayed among you today. The presence of the kingdom of heaven is not far away. It's at hand. You and I get to step into the heavenly realm by faith, just by by leaning. I mean, you don't have to lean necessarily, but for me, that's a good picture. It's, it's kind of like you are turning the attention and the eyes of your heart, your inner person, and you're, you're turning your, you're, you're waking up your spiritual mind to a reality that is truly existent right here and right now. And it's not like it's far away. Jesus is in the room right now. You are sitting with him you are seated with him in the heavenly realm right now. So you might be sitting on a semi-comfortable Costco chair at Legacy City Church in Bremerton, but right now you are in the presence of God and in the, in the presence of the great cloud of witnesses. And we would probably all lose it if we just had a little curtain pullback and saw what they're doing. But we know from the scripture, just this little peekaboo, that they're, they're encircling us like, like clouds. They're the great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. So moving from that, that understanding of the cheerleading team right now in heaven, the, the heart of heaven, the heart of God, is that you and I would be able to run a race. Like we wouldn't just take losses and go hide ourselves away for the rest of our lives there is, now don't get me wrong, there is a time for grieving and there is a time for brokenness and there is a time to be left alone. Like, 
if I was going through a loss of my wife, I probably wouldn't want anyone to talk to me for a time. I just would need to be alone. But I'm not going to guess at what, how I would respond because none of us knows until it happens how you will walk through it. There is a time for it. But I know that those who have gone on before us would not want us to spend the rest of our lives living in an empty, an empty place inside of us. They would want us to know what they know now, what it's like from heaven's viewpoint, that we would, we would allow that reality of heaven to come into our being enough to where we regain our passion for life and we would run a race. And in running that race, we would know that there's a couple things, couple obstacles that want to, the obstacles don't want to, but there is an enemy that wants the, these obstacles to get in our way. And one of those is the wound that has pierced us. And I love the Passion Translation's commentary on it. On the bottom of the screen there, it says, or get rid of every arrow tip in us. The implication is carrying an arrow tip inside, a wound that weighs us down and keeps us from running our race with freedom. That's pretty deep. Where do those arrows come from? Well, they come from the enemy, for sure. You know, we know that the Bible says that the, the enemy shoots these arrows at us, these flaming arrows, um, and we can extinguish those arrows with the shield of faith, right? We can put them out. But sometimes arrows get in from the enemy, and sometimes arrows get in from people. The reality is, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ can actually aim their arrows at the wrong place and hit a brother or sister. Maybe it's not even a brother or sister in Christ. That's the worst case. Then there's the people that are in the world around us that are in close proximity. Maybe it's your neighbor that did something that really made you mad. Maybe they threw their dog crap over the fence and it went into your yard. You know, maybe they don't mow their yard and you keep yours perfectly manicured and now their weeds are starting to grow in your yard. Maybe they just didn't like something you were doing like your music was too loud and they let you know and you're offended. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe your boss said something. It could be a million different examples. But if we allow an arrow to come into us, and the, let me back up, sorry. It's not that we allow the arrows to come into us. If we get hit by an arrow, if someone says something to us or does something to us that cause a hurt or an offense, which will happen because we will all get that at some point. So I'll just take the surprise away now. Brace yourself for it. It's coming somewhere. I'm not prophesying it. I'm just saying it's reality. But what you do with it is so important. As believers, we are told to let go of our offenses, to forgive as the Lord forgave us, to take every offense or unforgiveness and be reconciled to that person if we can, and even if we can't, to forgive just as the Lord forgave us. And in a way, when offense comes into us, it, it is like an arrow. And that we might break off the offense, you know, we're like, ah, I don't like what you did. But you know how it is when you still feel the sting? Sometimes it's like that arrowhead is in you. You're like, man, it's going to take a while for me to get over this. I'll, I'll be friendly as much as I can. It's not going to be around that person anymore. Maybe I'm not going to talk to my boss anymore after what they did or that coworker. Maybe that mail carrier <clears throat> that irritated me. Maybe I just will distance myself. And then she does something sweet like Texas saying, your mom's got these people in her carport. And that arrowhead just fell out. It just was... <laughs> I'm joking about a secret example here, but I'm just saying we might carry the arrowhead. So what can you do about it? If, if you don't know if you have an arrowhead or not, what could you do about it? I know what I could do. In my alone time with God, I could say even right now, let's just do this. Let's do this. You guys ready? Here's a little inner healing tool. Let's just sit back for a second. Get cozy. Close your eyes. Okay, just if you, want, if you want to, close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to get up and smack you in the face. <laughs> Skyler was looking a little nervous there. Oh, you'll hear me coming, even though I move like the wind. Whew. So let's just close our eyes and let's just pray this prayer. Father God, Father God is there anyone I need to forgive? 
Okay, so if you, if you had a person's face come to your, your inner mind or you know, whatever you call it, your screen behind your eyelids, then that's the person that God wants you to forgive. If you didn't get a name, if you didn't get a face, then don't worry about it. Don't, you don't have to dig real deep and try to figure out if there's, you know, make someone up who you really don't need to forgive. But if there's someone there, just pray this out loud. If you want to say their name, you can, but if you don't want to, just pray this. Father God, I choose to forgive them and I release them from the offense they caused. And I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that is just one thing that you and I can do. And then maybe you didn't need to pray that prayer. Maybe you didn't need to ask the question of God, is there anyone I need to forgive? Maybe you knew, maybe you've been carrying some bitterness uh, from someone for a long time. God wants to help you with that. He wants to free you from that. And you can practice what we just did on your own when you're by yourself, in your car, in your shower, wherever you need to be. And you can just ask God. You know, it, really what it comes down to is choosing. And I would say even speaking it out loud, I choose to forgive. And you may not feel anything happening, but even in the inner healing ministry that some of us have listened to when it comes to this tool of forgiveness, which is a biblical principle, some people have actually, they heard, they heard the door, like a prison door opening. Because when we don't forgive, we get put in prison. It's like a, it's like a prison of our own making. Jesus talked about it. He said, unless you forgive your brother from your heart, this is what my father will do to you. And you know in that parable of the guy who chose not to forgive the great, the, the little debt that he was owed, but when his huge debt was forgiven, what did, the, what did the master do? He had him put in jail until every penny was paid back. And Jesus said, that's what will happen to you. We know that that is talking about God, and we know that's talking about forgiveness, forgiving debts. And so you and I can actually be human beings, brothers and sisters in Christ, that can be imprisoned. If you feel stuck with God, if you feel like you're not hearing him anymore, if you feel like you you want to go forward in the things of God, but you're just, you're in a box, you're in a jail. That would be a good place to start. If you want to find freedom and run this race, if you want to get back into the race, if you want to get rid of sin and stuff that gets entangled around you, and most of the time that stuff comes in or we allow it in because we're, we're trying to find comfort, we're trying to find an answer to a pain or a wound that we're carrying around, but we don't realize that the answer to that is forgiveness, forgiving and being forgiven. My, hopefully this is making sense. I know I'm kind of going on a little rabbit trail, and we're only on verse 1, but I just feel like this is important. So practice it at home. Practice doing surgery on yourself and pluck those arrowheads out. Yeah, because staying offended and and not walking in freedom and running the race that you've been called to run, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do because then we're ineffective. Like he wants us to be stuck. And so when we feel stuck, that's some, wait a minute here. <laughs> I'm feeling stuck. Why is that? And God will totally just, he'll bring you out of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the enemy is afraid of you. I don't care where you're at in your spiritual walk how powerful and effective you think you are, but God knows how powerful you are because he saved you and adopted you and gave you a new nature and a new identity. And you and I, believe it or not, are sons and daughters of God that have royal authority. We have regal or royal authority. Just read John 1.12 and look it up in the, in the Greek. That word that those who believed in him, those who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That word right is exousia, and it is royal authority. He gave royal authority to you and I to be the sons and daughters of God. And the devil knows that we are intended by God to do the same works that Jesus did. John 14 says, the same works I do, 
so you will do because I am going to the Father. Even greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. So God has a plan that you and I would wake up and, and come into a reality of who lives inside of us and who we have be, how we, excuse me, I'm going to start speaking in tongues, who we have become as new creations in Christ. You are a powerful person, and that's not just a positive affirmation to make you feel good about yourself. I don't want you to feel good about your, your sinful nature, the stuff that, you know, that's, we, we want to deal with that stuff and get rid of it, but you need to feel good about who God says you are. He sees the finished work that Jesus did on the cross for you and I, accomplished and, and made into a reality in your life. He's the one who calls the things that are not as though they already are. He sees you as a powerful son, a powerful daughter in his kingdom, given his authority, the authority of his name, and the power, the, the dunamis power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, waiting to just poof, come out, be displayed. And if you don't know what you're supposed, you know, the race you're supposed to run, like we all have a general idea, but if you just don't know, dream with God. Like what is that desire in your heart? And that's from him. Like he gives us those desires. So if there's, obviously if it goes against the Bible, don't do that, but that's not from him. But you know, yeah. But if there's a desire in your heart, that's from him. Like dream with him, just have fun. Like if it sounds like there's no way I can do this, that's probably from him because he has to be there to help you do it. Like planning this church. <laughs> we can't do this without God. <laughs> that's right. We don't want to. That's good. Yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the yeah. desires of your heart. As you walk with him and enjoy a love relationship with the Lord, he wants to release his dreams, the impossibilities mm -hmm. inside of you so that you and I could just begin to dream about what those impossibilities would look like. It may be something sim as simple as, well, maybe not so simple, but you just walking in supernatural healing, yeah. maybe supernatural health in your own life and being able to pray for other people to see them get healed. Yeah. I'd be on for that. I think that'd be a good one for me. So we're actually pressing into that as we take our class on healing. So, so back to the first little section there, verse one, actually not the first, but the red words there, the sin Oh, it's the S word, the sin. So the footnote, I just thought I'd share it with you guys, just in case you needed some more encouragement. Or the sin that so cleverly entangles us. The Aramaic can be translated, the sin that is ready and waiting for us. If this is speaking of one sin, the context would point to the sin of unbelief and doubting God's promises. I just, I, I won't belabor this point, but oftentimes the sin or the root of sin that we all struggle with is because we're believing a lie. The, the enemy, his main tactic is, is trying to trick you and I into believing lies. The battlefield is right here between your, between your ears. The enemy has a voice and we need to be able and learn how to distinguish his voice from our own voice, our own thoughts, and the thoughts of God. And it's when we begin to believe the lies of the enemy that God is not good, that God isn't sufficient for what I need, that we begin to find answers to those, the things that those lies are about in other places. So, well, God isn't really your provider. Well, we sang about it tonight, right? You're my, you're my shelter, you're my provider, my shepherd, all these good things. If I don't believe that he's my provider, then I may not trust him to provide certain things for my finances. And maybe I will go to, what's the worst case? A loan shark. I'm not going to sell myself. So, <clears throat> you know, that, I'm too old for that, I guess. So, that's weird. Why would I say that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, some things you just can't do to make money. But you could go to a loan shark. You could sign your name on a dotted line and someone's going to say, okay, you're going to pay this debt back 50% on it every week. And if you don't, I'm going to come break your kneecaps. You know, 
we could get ourselves in trouble. We could allow sin to come in by not believing the promises of God. So when we are in unbelief and doubt to God's promises, that is one of the key open doors to allowing sin or um, bondage, any kind of trap of the enemy to come in. Does that make sense? We all good? You guys good? Amen, brother. Come on. Let's pretend we're in a soul church. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, okay. I got to cheer myself up a little bit if you guys want. All right, verse 2. Man, we made it to verse 2. Whew. Glad we're through that one. Because if half the people left the room from that first verse, man, there'd be nobody left. All right, verse 2. We look away from the natural realm, and we focus our attention and our expectation onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Okay, that's Jesus' joy, his heart. The joy of knowing that you would be his. Because of that, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. That right there, my friends, my family, my dad, my daughter, mother-in-law. Anyway, I won't keep being silly here. That right there should be enough to walk out of this place feeling pretty joyful about. God so loved you. He loved you. Anna, he loved you so much that he counted it a joy to go to the cross. He saw you. He saw me. He, He knew the names of every person he was going to bear the sins of. In fact, the Bible says he took the weight of the sins of the whole world into himself, into his body while on the cross. And he counted it a joy. Now I know there was pain and it was torture and he he didn't want to go through it, but he did it because there was a joy at the end of the, the process for him. And it was that joy of knowing you and I would be his. So here's the footnote. It could say, or instead of the joy set before him. That's how I memorize this as a NIV positive person. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So this was the joy of our salvation. He placed before his eyes the bliss that we would forever share together with him, which empowered him to go through his agony. Instead of remaining in heaven's glory with the Father and all the angels, he chose you. He chose you, Ethan. Yes, I'm going to name everybody tonight just so no one feels left out. Did I forget someone yet? trying to remember your first name (laughs) Heather okay sorry see now I can aim one at you too I think I got Jill already right Eh, maybe not yet we'll find one for you we'll find a good one for you (laughs) he chose you the Bible says that you were chosen you were you were adopted by God and chosen before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight He chose you. You were in his heart when Jesus was on the cross. Before you and I were born, he knew your name. He knew your life. He knew everything about you, and he chose to go to the cross for you and me. So that last half there, he desires you to the point of laying down his life to be with you. He pursued you, not seeing your weaknesses or your weakness and failures, but what you will be. He can see what will be in the end from the beginning. This was the joy that prompted him to become a man. It's pretty amazing. You know, what we call that, we call that seeing things prophetically. Seeing the future before it's in the actual existence right now. Jesus is our priest, our prophet, priest, and king. He's the one, he's our example. He's the one who showed us how to live life prophetically by seeing things that were not, but yet believing that those would be things that he would obtain. And those, those chief treasures for him was you and I, that we would become his. All right, here we go. Verse 3. Don't worry, it's not the whole chapter if you're counting verses. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin, 
And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? And we'll go on to those words. If you haven't already looked at it, so who opposed their own souls could be translated those who were their own stumbling block. Okay, so he faced opposition from people who were actually their own stumbling block. Don't worry about them, or I'm going to get distracted because I could see you staring at them. <laughs> I'm trying not to focus on you guys, so, but now your mom is. Or sweating blood. So that might be like, well, I know the Bible says that Jesus, he had sweat like drops of blood when he was in the garden. And now this uh, Passion Translator guy used the word sweating blood um, about you and I. We have not yet resisted sin to the point of sweating blood or to the point of resisting blood. Think about that. The next time you're struggling with temptation, how far am I willing to fight this temptation? We really haven't fought it until you actually are shedding blood, right? I mean, that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. You have not yet reached the point of sweating blood or shedding blood in your opposition to sin. So don't forget the words of encouragement to you as children. Here we go. He said, my child... Don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord or get depressed when he has to correct you. Okay, God does discipline to us, so don't get depressed when your parents have to do it to you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. See, if I didn't love my kids, I wouldn't discipline them, and it's the same with God. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Footnote. And I don't have footnotes for every verse, so just take a deep breath of relief. The Aramaic word for uh, draws you to himself is nagad, or negad, I don't know how to pronounce it, which can mean scourge or severely punish, or to attract or to draw or tug the heart. It's interesting varieties of definitions for one Greek word, or excuse me, Aramaic word. The Greek is the Lord scourges or chastises every son he receives. And then we can look at the reference of Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. I'm not going to go ahead and read that now, but you guys can read. You should be reading a proverb a day, right? Proverbs a day keeps the devil away, something like that. There's 31 chapters. You can read one chapter a day. You should do it, so just do it. All right, here we go. Verse 7. And how are we doing on time? We're going to be done right at 8. Three minutes, and I'll be stopping. So whether we finish or not, we're done. I'll be done. Excuse me. I know. You guys are like, thank God. He is long-winded. My mom was right. Is that what you told them, Pam? Look at her. She's like, I did not. Or she's like, he is a prophet. He's prophesying. He's reading my mail. It's a word of knowledge. Seven, fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? Some obviously were never corrected. Anyway, I'm going to start handing out wooden spoons at the store. That's all I'm going to say on that. So verse 8, we should all welcome God's discipline, <laughs> excuse me, as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we're strangers and not sons. God disciplines those he loves, guys. So endure hardship as discipline, okay? It doesn't mean that everything bad that's coming in your way is God's way to try to teach you a lesson, okay? God does not send cancer to teach you a lesson. Okay, so don't think of sickness as God's discipline. He sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. He didn't send cancer to teach you a lesson, okay? Just let's get that straight. But there are things of hardships that he allows us to go through, and he uses it as a way to train us, to discipline us, to shape us. Okay. Oh, boy, two minutes left. Verse 9, <clears throat> and it is, excuse me, and isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers i know i know not all of us can say this my dad's in the room so i'm going to say i respected my earthly father when he disciplined me <laughs> he's like you better and you still live in the same house with me i'll whip you when we get home okay i'm i'm full of jokes tonight i'm sorry guys you just got bear with me <clears throat> we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them. Okay, so some of them were flawed and they didn't do it the right way. I made lots of mistakes. I'll be the first to say it. 
but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be painful at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. We're almost done, guys. So be made strong, even in your weakness. Here's our opening verse. By lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees, for as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. And that is the, the miracle of this whole message. You know, this might feel like, man, the, God is, in his word is trying to turn our attention towards hard stuff that we go through and, and trying to tell us that even though we know he's like sugar daddy and loves us all the time and does miracle signs and wonders, sometimes he actually disciplines us. Sometimes when you're being naughty, he's going to come up behind you and give you a swat. Now, I don't know what that SWAT looks like for you. There you go. That's what it sounds like. Smack. You know what? He is so good that I know when he's disciplining me, and, and he is very kind to me. Like, I could use a SWAT that sounds like that at times. I know I deserve it. But he knows how to get to my heart, and I think, I think you know how he gets to your heart. Because just that moment of you or I feeling like we've hurt his feelings, like we've offended the Lord, like what, whatever we're doing, you know, whatever's coming out of our mouth, we're embarrassed by it. We're like, God, I'm sorry. My mouth is just on a highway to hell today, just cursing at everybody. I'm telling you, you look at those grumpy mailmen in their trucks and male women, <clears throat> they look even grumpier. Sometimes... The weather and the dirt of what you do and the dogs and the owners of the dogs is just, you could be looking like them if you did that job. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying, you have a job that might make you feel grumpy. Being a parent can make you feel grumpy, you know, right, Dad? Whatever your, your lot is. What am I saying about all of this? Oh, yeah, God's grace and his goodness and his discipline. All it takes for me sometimes, most of the time, is just knowing that what I'm saying or doing is offensive. And I, I can sense his hand. It's not like he's leaving me, because he, he promised you and I, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He won't leave you, but you have the ability to abandon him. You can walk away from God. He will not force any one of us to walk with him. So, yeah. But he will keep trying to get you back. That's right. And the only, well, not the only, the, the most dangerous place any of us could ever be if that becomes that kind of a path that we get on where we're walking away from God and he will keep trying to come after you. He will keep wooing you, drawing you, calling you to come back to his heart, come to a closeness and intimacy with him. The dangerous place that any one of us could ever walk into is when we've ignored that voice for so long that we are no longer hearing it. It's called the hardening of our hearts. So if you ever wonder where you're at with God and you're ever concerned, take a deep breath, turn your face towards heaven, and just say, thank you, Father, that you're here with me, that you receive me just as I am. So why don't we stand up and pray? You guys need to stand up and stretch anyway. We only had a couple more verses to go, but I promised 8, and it's 8.03, so. Yes, ma'am. She wasn't waiting for me to say yes or no, but. It's br that was brilliant. And you know what? She just wants me to keep preaching. And so my thought on that and my, my tag along to that is, I'm sure there's something. Even the things that our parents taught us to do. And I had pretty good parents. They taught me pretty good. Okay, so I just want my dad to know that before I say something. No reflection on my, parent, my parents' parenting. But even where your parents made mistakes, where you have 
maybe been influenced by their mistakes and it, it's hard for you to correlate earthly discipline to God's discipline as a father. Even that, God wants to heal. Even that, he wants to bring solace, solace, solace to you. He wants to bring peace to you. He wants you to be able to come to him as the perfect father, the good father, and find in him the one who, who you can trust, who has your best interest, who will discipline you in a way that is healthy. Okay, I'm a dad who I tried my best. I think I've grown a lot. In my early years, I probably wasn't the healthiest discipliner. Okay, I often would discipline out of anger, and, and I had to go back and ask for forgiveness, didn't I? Haven't I? Multiple times. Yeah, see, he's laughing now. He's all smiling now. You didn't like it when I was disciplining him in the middle of the meeting, but forgive me for that, too. These guys know I joke a lot, and so sometimes in the middle of the meeting, I mistakenly call him out as part of the joke, so joke's on you. I'm learning. I'll learn someday, right before I go to heaven. That's right. Someday you'll be preaching, and you can just aim your target right at me. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray, guys. So, Father, Father, we thank you. Father God, Jesus, we thank you to, that you brought us to the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that you are bringing us to your Father and our Father. And that we have the ability to call out to you, Father God, as your sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And thank you, Father, for who you are to us, that you are the perfect dad, you're the perfect father, and that you discipline us as you see we need, but you do it with such grace and kindness, and you do it to make us more like Jesus, more like, more like the, the heart and the dream that you had about each one of us before we were born. So God, we just choose tonight to submit to that. We submit to your hand your hand of love and kindness, your hand of grace, your hand of correction, your hand of discipline, because we know that the ultimate outcome is that we get to become strong and we get to flourish and reign and rule as kings in life through Jesus. And Jesus, we just say, we want you to be magnified in our lives. We want you to be glorified in and through us. So tonight, God, we just seal this evening, seal this time in your word with a yieldedness of our hearts towards you. We just say, we're yours. We belong to you. We were bought at a price. So here we are, God. We just, we thank you that we could belong to you and we trust you with all of what we are in Jesus' name. Amen.